I learned to hate myself really, really quickly. I know I wasn't the only one. Most teenage girls kind of have that, oh my god, I'm awful kind of vibe. I dislike that that's the case, by the way. Why? Why do we have to dislike ourselves just because we're teenage girls? Just because we're women? It's a whole nother story and a whole nother mission that I'm on to help change this for young women. <laughs> Love, Luna. Hello and welcome to another episode of Self Love Lessons with Luna. I'm going back in time a little bit. If you recall, I used to do a series called Katie on the Couch while I was still Katie and now I am Luna on the Lounge. Because in today's episode, it's actually part one of three. Trigger warning, this content includes sex, eating disorders and addiction. It is a super important series and a story that I think really needs to be told. Because I know that there's so many of us out there who self-harm. To whatever capacity it happens to be. That could be something quote-unquote small from doing things that aren't really good for us all the way through to eating disorders, physically self-harming and potentially suicidal ideations. So over the next three episodes, I'm going to share with you in today's episode, my battle with bulimia, with food, how I got to the point of having eating disorders for my whole life. In next week's episode, episode two, I'm going to talk about all the different other ways that I've experienced self-harm in my life from the physical side of things, but also the emotional, mental, spiritual kind of abuse that I inflicted on myself for an extremely long time. And then in part three of this self-harm series, I'm going to wrap it up and I'm going to really share with you how I've come from a place of that, how I came from self-harm, self-hate, not liking myself, eating disorders, all that jazz, all the way through to be able to sit here in front of you with a little button badge on here that says, love yourself. It's a more confidence creation and truly mean it. I truly believe it. I have come a long way and this is why I'm so passionate about helping you learn how to love yourself. Because I know it's possible. Because I know that you can come from really dark places where you don't want to exist, where you're hurting yourself on a regular basis, depending on the level, and you can come through to a place where perhaps you actually learn to love and enjoy your body and who you are. I know that it's possible. It goes without saying, this series is going to have a whole bunch of triggers. I am going to talk about eating disorders. I will be talking about self-harm. I will be talking about drugs and sex and rock and roll. So if you have young daughters that are listening to my show, then please just make sure you're having a conversation with them. If these are trigger warnings for you, please be in touch with the Butterfly Foundation. I will pop their details in as well as Lifeline and any other mental health provider. They're always available. And of course, you can get in touch with me. I've lived it, I've experienced it, I'm not trained as a psychologist but I am trained in coaching, NLP and as well as my intuitive experience as well. <sighs> Take a big deep breath with me. <sighs> Let it out and just move your body in a way just to give it a bit of a, a wriggle. And let's get started. I had a problem with food ever since I could possibly remember. It was always this kind of love-hate relationship. And if you've watched any of my other videos or have seen me live at all, you would hear my story about how I, from a very young age, really did hate my body. I developed really early. 
by the time I was nine, I had a 14 size chest. And oh, it's fair to say that it didn't go away in a hurry. By the time I was 14, I practically looked like this with a few less wrinkles and a few less lines, but I had a body of a woman by the time I entered high school. People thought I was the teacher and it really changed my experience of coming into adolescence because I really didn't feel like I could be a kid because I was always perceived as much more grown up than what I actually was. With a grown up body, I attracted a whole bunch of attention that I really didn't know how to handle. Men, much older, not really knowing they were talking to a 12 or a 14 year old, would hit on me. And I thought it was a compliment, thought it was kind of cool, maybe a little bit creepy, but I didn't really know how to handle all of it. And the shame that I felt for my body just kept getting worse and worse and worse. First time I realized that I was fat and needed to go on a diet, I was probably about eight or nine. I got bigger and bigger and bigger as my high school years went. And by the time I was 16, I was wearing a size men's 40 jeans. I'm not sure what the equivalent of that is female because I refused to go into any kind of female shopping at all. I hated it because this is 20 years ago and 20 years ago, there was no body positivity movement. There was no amazing plus size models that were there. In fact, the only time you ever saw bigger women in the media was when it was the before size. Sometimes, sometimes you see women in the media that are bigger size that are as they are and it's progressing and I'm excited by that. But 20 years ago, it really wasn't the case. 20 years ago, I would walk into a fashion store with my fingers crossed and I would beg, please come on, that they would have something bigger than a size 14. And even then, it probably wasn't gonna fit me. But I would go with my friends if I could not possibly avoid it because that would almost make me feel a bit strange for sitting outside. They'd walk into the jean shop and I'd go, oh, it's cool, I'm just gonna sit here, don't worry about it. And they're like, come on, don't be silly, come on inside. And eventually I would yield and go in and that'll be pulling out things from the rack. Oh, this is cute and this is cute. And I knew nothing in the store would fit me. I'd be flat out getting the bracelets to fit me, to be honest. <laughs> Maybe the hats. But that was it. Oh, are you going to buy anything they would ask me? No, because this store doesn't have anything that fits me. Even if there was a 16 at the very back of the rack, I would try it on and maybe on this particular day it would fit me. I learned to hate myself really, really quickly. I know I wasn't the only one. Most teenage girls kind of have that, oh my God, I'm awful kind of vibe. I dislike that that's the case, by the way. Why? Why do we have to dislike ourselves just because we're teenage girls? Just because we're women? It's a whole nother story and a whole nother mission that I'm on to help change this for young women. But at 16, I didn't like who I was. And for the first time, I decided I needed to go on a diet. Yet, I didn't really know what a diet looked like. I had seen things in Dolly magazine, in Girlfriend magazine, the ones that I was reading at the time about how to maybe get in shape or lose weight. Or I read the older girls magazines, the Cosmopolitans and things like that. But I really had no idea about nutrition. 
and couple that with a whole bunch of shame, I really wasn't prepared for what I had to do. That very first time I remember, I stood on the scales and one zero zero popped up. It was the first time I'd ever reached triple digits and I was 16 years of age and the shame overwhelmed me. Most of my friends were lucky to be 70 kilos at this point. Maybe 75, probably more in the 60s. And I hadn't been in the 70 range since I was in primary school. I felt like a freak and I knew I had to do something about it. So with my 16 year old mind and not thinking much, what did I do? I just cut out food. I just thought, okay, well, fat will make me fat. Turns out that's not true. But fat will make me fat, so I will just not eat fat anymore. And I will run. I've seen them do it, they'll run. But I had these big boobs, double D by this point, same size as they are now. And I knew that I would have a problem with running. I knew that when I ran, I would bounce and that was gonna hurt. So I put on my two tightest bras that I owned and I pulled out the masking tape. And underneath my top, I would strap my breasts down as fast, like as hard as I could, as flat as I could to squash them. I would put on big baggy clothes and after dark in the middle of Canberra in the middle of winter, I would go running. And I would run until I vomited. I would run until I couldn't run anymore and I didn't know about stretching, I didn't know about any of that kind of stuff. And I restricted my food. And three months later, I had lost 20 kilos, everybody loved me, everybody thought I was amazing. And I was quickly diagnosed with gallstones. In my 16th year, I had a gallbladder removal operation. I had to get rid of the stones that were causing me a great amount of pain. I have lost and put on 20 to 25 kilos five times in my life. I just started from that age of 16, I yo-yoed and I never knew I was yo-yo dieting. I thought I was yo-yo exercising. I was like, no, 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 no. I'm not on yo-yo diets. I, I, you know, I eat healthily and I work out. That's very different. It's not very different. I was on diet culture and I was abusing my body from a young age. Up and down and up and down and up and down. I cannot count how many times I went up and down on those goodness me scales. Because it wasn't just those five times that I lost and put on the weight. It was everything in between. My worth was based on my size and my weight for my entire youth. My entire youth, I would be miserable and I would diet. And each time that I would diet, I would get this kick out of it, right? For any of you who have ever dieted out there and lost weight enough for someone to notice, everybody tells you how amazing you are. They go, oh, wow, you look so good. What have you done? What have you been doing? You are amazing. Notice the language here. They said to me, you are amazing. They said, you're so good. You're incredible. I can't believe you've done that. You're amazing. So I took it to mean that when I was smaller, I was good and valuable. But when I was bigger, no one ever said that to me. So it must be true that I'm not valuable bigger. I'm only valuable smaller. 
and like diets are. I couldn't maintain the weight, ever. I found it so incredibly difficult because I would go back to my real world, put on the weight again, hate myself, painfully so, eventually come to the point where the trigger would hit again and I would put myself back on a diet. And I would exercise again and I would do it for three months and cue this, this, this went on for like almost 10 years. I know I'm not alone in this. Because I know that many of you are still on this diet cycle. The up and down, the up and down, I'm not valuable enough, what am I going to do, my body's fat, this sucks, holy crap. Go on a diet, find the next fad, find the next big thing to do. It happens every single day and the media perpetuates it and tells you that that's entirely normal. It also tells you that if you can't lose weight, then it's because you're lazy, because you're not trying hard enough. They fail to tell you that once you've gone through at least a few cycles of dieting, of going up and down, your basic metabolic rate or the amount of energy that you need to live every day goes down every single time you dramatically lose weight, making it even harder to lose weight every single time you do it. The dieting culture ruins us, ruins our metabolisms and ruins who we are in our souls. It tells us that we will only be valuable if we're small and it's simply not true. The last diet that I ever went on was when it all started for me. I've been building for many years, I'd binged on many occasions, I had been going up and down and I'd been so desperate to get the body that I thought would give me the happiness and hope and joy and the worth that I was looking for. I remember this one particular day I'd been doing so well in my diet. I had, I had, I, you know, I had my calorie count for the day and I was 150 calories less. I was 150 calories less than the amount that I needed for the day in order to lose weight. And I was so proud of myself because I thought, yes, I'm going to lose even more weight today. I'm going to be even more valuable today. You know, patting myself on the back. And I went to the cupboard for some reason and there right in front of me, Oh, as if sent from heaven, as if divinely given, was a crunchy bar that happened to be the exact amount of calories that I was deficit for the day. So I knew that I could have that crunchy bar. I could have that crunchy bar and I could still lose weight today. I could literally have my cake and eat it too. I was thrilled. And I, oh, it's making my mouth water just thinking about it. And I had that crunchy bar with the chocolate on the coat and the honeycomb in the inside and I ate every single delectable, delicious bit right down into my core and I loved it. Oh, did I love it. And of course that was it. I'd had enough for the day. I didn't feel like my sugar responses had been triggered at all and I just went to bed. Eh, no, that did not happen. There was another crunchy bar. And that went down pretty deliciously. By the third crunchy bar, I can barely remember it. Because the shame was rising so heavily inside of myself. I was feeling so awful about what I had done because I knew by this point I was over my calories or getting close to it. I knew by this point I probably wasn't going to lose weight today and that that made me a failure. 
by the time the fourth punchy bar hit my stomach, I was a mess. I binged a lot in my life. And most of the time during the binge, I was shameful about it, but never like this. This was overpowering. It was as though a monster had woken inside of me and there was nothing I could do to get rid of the shame. It got on top of me because now I was over my calories. Not only was I not going to lose weight that day, I was going to put it on according to the calorie count. And that was the worst thing that I could possibly do. That shame rising, the thoughts, the panic, what have I done, who am I, I'm a piece of crap, all those voices coming into my head and I, I couldn't stand it, I couldn't do, I just could not function. I wanted to change it, I wanted to get rid of it, I wanted to just deny myself of this. I wanted to rewind what I'd done. And so I grabbed a hair tie. And I put my hair back in a ponytail. And I took myself off to the bathroom. I lifted the seat and the lid. seven years of my life. Cue waiting for my partner to go out every week so I could buy 50, 60 dollars worth of food and sit in front of the TV watching America's Next Top Model on repeat and binging and purging for hours on end just to wake up at 5.30 the next morning and go to a boot camp on a completely empty, divulged stomach. This went on for years and nobody knew. It was my entire shame. Deeper and deeper I went, I hated myself more. The more that I couldn't control myself, the more that I needed to control what I ate. And so the more that I tried to control what I ate, the more that it got to the point where I needed to binge and purge because I was restricting myself so much. And it felt like such a way out and I would feel good at the time and then shameful all the shame the next day and it was killing me. It was destroying me. Include the exercise in that and I was a mess. It took me seven years to tell anybody. And it was only because a dear friend of mine had shared her story of bulimia when she was younger. And I thought, wow, well here's somebody that knows. Here's somebody that's done it before, and if, and if she's done it, and, and she's amazing, then maybe she won't judge me for it. And I got to tell her. And in fact, when I did Katie on the Couch series, she was a guest, and she talked about her story. So if you want to check out my past episodes of Luna on the Lounge, where I interview a whole bunch of people on their story to self-love, she features in one of the episodes, so take a look out for that. 10 years of dieting, seven years of bulimia, and my energy, my metabolism, shot. Didn't have much left. Over the next episode, I'm gonna share with you how this kind of behavior, this self-destructive, self-harm behavior, wasn't just when it came to food. I applied this with exercise. I actually even applied this after I stopped being bulimic. I still applied this with exercise and way back when I would do this with drugs and alcohol and sex and TV and whatever the hell I could get my hands on. 
I was obsessed and I was in a long-term abusive relationship with myself. Mentally beating myself up, spiritually holding myself back, emotionally cruel and physically self-harm, not just eating. And in our third and final episode, I'm going to share with you the recovery process. I'm going to share with you how I got to sitting on this couch telling you this story. What I would love for you to do in the meantime is reach out to someone, anyone. Maybe a friend of yours, but maybe that's a bit scary. Reach out to me, send me a text 0403-981-597. I get it. Get some help, talk to some people, either that's through me or go see a psychologist, talk to the Butterfly Foundation. For me, I really love seeing different kind of therapists, Reiki and kinesiology and shamans and that kind of stuff. But I'm going to share with you my whole story of how I got to that point in episode three of our series. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for taking the time to hear part one of my story here. Part two will go live next Friday, as we do each and every single week on self-love lessons with Luna. And then in another week's time, we're going to go live with the episode three and the recovery and the beautiful happy ending that I know that you guys are all looking forward to. You can check out previous episodes on YouTube, through Facebook, and also you can listen on the podcast. Until next week for part two of Self-Harm Stories, please, happy self-loving. Thank you.